You're listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast, inspiring commentary and intelligent insight from experts in the thick of it. Hi everyone, this is Mike Walter from Forrester. I am very happy to be here with two of Forrester's mobile experts, Mike Facemeyer. Hey Mike. And Jeffrey Hammond. How's it going, Mike? You know what we're going to talk about today? Why mobile developers are smiling. And this is based upon an infographic uh, that, that we've developed here at Forrester uh, that proves that mobile developers should be smiling. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I know. I personally smile almost every day. Mike, you're not a mobile developer anymore. I, know. I still try to play one on TV when <laughs> I get a chance, though. You know, Mike, whenever you're writing code, how could you not be smiling? <laughs> okay. Well, we are definitely advocates, I think, of developers here. Um, and to start this off, uh, we compared the overall U.S. unemployment rate, which is 8.2%, to the unemployment rate of software developers. Yeah, I think uh, the last time I saw the uh, unemployment rate is actually going up <laughs> in general, uh, but at 4.6% for devs, you know, it's 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 you know almost half. And uh, honestly, I think if uh, you're a dev and you've got skills, especially mobile dev skills, and you don't have a job, it's because you don't want one. Yeah, you, you, you probably just need to, to, to wake up that day, and, uh, <laughs> and, and one will appear for you. Yeah, so I mean, so not only are there mobile app development jobs, but they pay a lot higher. So the, at the median salary in the U.S. overall is $33,840. Do you know what the median salary of a software developer is? And we're not talking mobile here. We're just talking general software developers. It's a lot higher. I think uh, it's around uh, $93,000, $94,000 a year, so almost three times that. And, uh, you know, the work itself isn't that bad either if, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you compare it to, to some of the other uh, uh, dirty jobs yeah. uh, that, that, that would be <laughs> out there. Uh, so, you know, it can be a little bit longer from an hourly perspective. Now, you know, there's also a fair amount of variance on that. I can tell you uh, when I was uh, working in the software industry as a, as a product manager, and this is even you know, five or five or six years ago, whenever we would budget in a new software developer as part of our hiring plan, uh, we would usually budget a fully loaded cost of somewhere around 160000 or more, depending on benefits. And that's pretty typical of what you see on the coasts. It could even be, you know, upwards of 200000 if you're uh, in Silicon Valley or in New York. And, of course, it's a lot less if you're in the, uh, in the middle of the U.S., but even there, uh, you know, the costs uh, and the, uh, the salaries uh, that you can make as uh, somebody that's got good development chops is, you know, substantial. Yeah, and for mobile developers, the demand is even higher. Yeah, right? well, you know, it's it's a it's a mobile first world now, and so everything we're seeing is coming mobile first, and then uh, all of our uh, previous channels are, are tending to come second. But to, to touch on one of the points that Jeffrey had, not only is uh, is the work good, but the hours are whenever you want to generally. So you know. You don't, the sun doesn't have to be up to write code. You know, if I uh, if I lay brick for a living, I have to wait for the sun to come up and wait for it to be warm outside and things <laughs> like that. If I, if I want to write code, I can write it when, when I personally want to write it, which is generally about two or three in the morning. Okay. So, and do you write it when it's raining out too, or do you? I mean, do you have any excuses yeah, not to write code? Well, you can always find a good excuse, like like a good bag of Cheetos, or or, or maybe the Matrix comes on TNT that day. But, uh, <laughs> uh, other, other than that, there's there's really no good reason not to write code. 
Yeah, but the, th the point that Mike's making is, is a good one, which is that there's a lot of flexibility in the job. So it's not just that there's a low unemployment rate, uh, there's a, a relatively high average salary, uh, but the flexibility uh, that most software development jobs have. And, and this is particularly true of companies that are progressive in their development shops and culture. Uh, they tend to uh, reward autonomy and reward self-discipline. Uh, so if you're good, uh, you are uh, self-driven, and uh, you find a company where, you know, if you want to work from 9 to 6 or if you want to work from 10 to 7 uh, and, uh, you know, do the reverse commute or you want to avoid the, uh, uh, the, the, the rat race, those opportunities are out there, and it all comes down to the skill set that you possess. Mm -hmm. So, Mike Facemeyer, talking about that skill set, do you think any software developer can become a mobile developer? Well, I think if you have uh, skills in, especially Java, Objective-C, HTML5, absolutely, there's no reason that you can't. Um, you know, most, most good developers uh, will, will tell you that it's all just simply a matter of semicolons. You know, it's, it's words and semicolons, put them together, make it work. You know, at, at its core, programming is just solving puzzles. And so, do you like solving puzzles? Uh, do you like having fun doing things like that? Uh, then, then, then write some code. Uh, There's so many examples out there now with Stack Overflow. Everybody, you know, the community is answering questions very well. Uh, GitHub has a, any number of source code um, samples for you to look at. So, so if if you are a developer and understand overall semantics and, and, and the overall way of thinking and how to solve problems through writing code, uh, moving to mobile is is should not be a challenge at all. And, and I think given the, the wide range of different frameworks and tools that are out there, you don't necessarily have to have a particular type of development skill set. And what I mean by that is some folks, I'm one of them, kind of grew up, grew up on classic object-oriented uh, type, type technologies, you know, uh, instantiating objects, uh, you know, full-blown inheritance, uh, you know, uh, encapsulation and polymorphism and all those things. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, Objective-C or Java uh, has built into it. Uh, but for folks that maybe have a little bit more experience with web application development and uh, are used to uh, prototypal inheritance with JavaScript or something like that, well, you know what, there are JavaScript frameworks, things like uh, uh, jQuery Mobile or Sencha Touch uh, that allow you to build on those skills. And, and even for, you know, folks that may be more used to a 4GL, like uh, a PowerBuilder or a VB.net, uh, there are mobile middleware tools out there that allow you to build on those sorts of uh, experiences. Uh, you look at something like uh, even a FileMaker, which is really designed uh, to the non-technical user, but still allows you to produce applications. And again, I'm not sure whether you'd be, uh, a, you know, doing a professional development job with a tool like that. But in terms of building uh, business apps uh, for your own company and, and kind of, you know, showing people what can be done with the tools, uh, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're moving back into a world where even people who had skills with things like access 20 years ago uh, can be valuable as we see this massive shift uh, into a mobile-first reality. Well, let me ask you, you guys, um, what platforms do you think software developers should develop for? What mobile platforms? I have some data here. This is from Q2 2012 uh, that shows the smartphone manufacturer share by operating system, Android, 51%. So clearly there, there's more smartphones running Android than, than any other phone. Uh, second is Apple iPhone or iOS. That's 34%. 
and BlackBerry is 9%, and then there's a bunch of others. Now, one of those others is Windows Phone with 1.3%. But in this infographic, we've decided to group BlackBerry in other and elevate Windows Phone. Jeffrey? Well, I think that that's based on momentum, and you know you have to look beyond just Windows Phone itself. Uh, folks that write Windows Phone apps today are going to be very well set up to write Windows 8 uh, applications for WinRT tablets, as well as applications for Windows Phone 8. And uh, I do expect to see an awful lot of uh, Windows 8 RT tablets uh, out there uh, by this time next year. Uh, so I, I do think that, that, that folks need to look at that as an opportunity, especially the millions of .NET developers uh, that are out there already, uh, because a lot of those .NET skills that you have today and C-sharp skills that you might have are going to be uh, easily transferable. Now, there's some design challenges, and you need to get used to building mobile-first applications and working with smaller screens and dealing with all the extra context that you now have. Uh, but at least you're not learning a new programming language if you already know uh, C-sharp. So I think that's why you know we, we tend to be a little bit more bullish right now on on uh, on on Windows Phone, even though the numbers more bullish than there yet. more bullish than BlackBerry. Well, BlackBerry is going in the the opposite direction right now, and yeah. unless uh, BlackBerry Ten uh, turns that around in terms of numbers of devices, uh, you know that that uh, you know it might not be something that, that devs want to spend as much time focusing on. The other thing that I would say is that if you're looking to make money on your own, you know iOS probably comes in mm -hmm. first right now. Uh, if you're looking to create... Well, why, Jeffrey, why is that? Uh, because iOS is 34%, Android's 51%. Yeah, but I, I think that, that folks in the iOS marketplace are a lot more used to buying applications uh, as opposed to using free applications or ad-supported applications. So, you know, if you have a runaway hit and you can use ad revenue to drive that and, and monetize it, great. Uh, but if you're looking to kind of write some apps on the side and maybe supplement your income, uh, I think we see a little bit better uh, response uh, from, uh, from, from iOS applications. All right, well, let's get back to the, the iPhone and what those development skills are, but let's go back to Android. Mike Facemeyer, what are the skills needed to develop native Android apps? Yeah, so a, a good understanding of Java and uh, a good understanding of um, of XML for defining your your views uh, and and, uh, and interfacing your views in, in, in your controllers, uh, the controller written in Java. You wouldn't add a little bit of patience trying to get all the debugging set up well. inside Eclipse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a, a, a large chunk of patience. But but the good thing is, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? Why a large chunk of patience there, guys? I mean, don't you just download Eclipse and then the Android SDK and you're ready to rock and roll? It is It is pretty straightforward now, but uh, as soon as you try to branch out past the device that's currently in your own pocket, uh, the debugging there can be a little bit challenging. And, um, and, and just the standard issues around uh, multi-threaded nature of, of, of programming uh, adds, adds a bit of a challenge in and, in and of itself, and so those challenges are not obviated from you. Um, but uh, but if you're if you're a seasoned developer and uh, and, and you have experience with with build systems and and, and, and creating uh, binaries on your own, this is not going to be a lot different than, than what you've experienced in the past. Well, I think one of the exciting things about Android for enterprise developers is that 
Java is a big enterprise development language. So many, uh, many would-be mobile developers already know Java. Absolutely. Uh, the same is not true, though, for iPhone. Jeffrey, what are the what are the skills and tools you need to build an iPhone app? Well, uh, well, first of all, you've got to have a Mac. <laughs> you either have to, uh, you either have to uh, be able to uh, uh, do a remote build uh, with something like PhoneGap Build, where they have Macs running out there on the cloud, and and you can upload applications and build there, uh, or your own local machine. Uh, you cannot build uh, um, hybrid or native. Uh, iOS applications without a Mac somewhere in the chain, and uh, usually that also means Xcode. Uh, you know, your basic understanding of uh, software configuration management, most of what we see folks using is something like GitHub or Subversion uh, to track. Well, why, why do you need that? I mean, well, and, and if you're doing that seems it, to add complexity. Well, if you're why doing not it just all yourself, and yeah. you always trust yourself to always, you know, kind of do the right thing and never make mistakes or never want to revert to prior versions of your code, then by all means go without it. But uh, you know, I, I generally think uh, some sort of uh, source control is uh, mm -hmm. is a valuable thing because we all make mistakes, even you know the best developers, and sometimes you want to be able to revert. So uh, I'm not saying you need to be overly complex. You know, things like Git or Subversion are pretty darn simple. Uh, I guess you could also have backups in you know different directories if you really wanted. But uh, uh, you know, I, I would recommend some basic uh, capability there. So between Android, iPhone, and Windows Phone, which one do you think is the easiest? I personally think Android. Uh, it's it, there's it, it's free essentially. You know, Eclipse is free. Well, I didn't say what the cost was. I said how easy is it? Agreed, <laughs> but but it, but it's but it's uh, it's a lot easier to spend no money than it is to, <laughs> to, to spend money that you haven't might might not have earned yet. Um, but in all honesty, it's it's simply a matter of semicolons. Yeah, um, I'm going to disagree with you, and I actually think Windows Phone is probably the easiest. Uh, you know, again, you can get the tools for for free. You can download them, and you know, if my you know. 17-year-old son can build apps. I think just about anybody could. <laughs> but, but Boy, that's, that, that doesn't sound... Uh, forget it. That's, uh, <laughs> but, but, I mean, the, the, of course, the other thing I'll tell you is I actually think the hybrid way is even easier. I mean, if I can build applications with jQuery Mobile, I think anybody can do it. I mean, how many analysts do you yep. know yep. that have you know, really good technical chops? Well, actually, you bring up a good point, Jeffrey, because w what we've been talking about is developing native apps for these platforms. Yeah. But there's a big movement to use things like HTML to do cross-platform development. And I mean, is, is this the way to go, though? I mean, isn't the experience like much poorer when you develop an HTML app? If you really want an app that's going to sell and that's going to be adopted, doesn't it have to be native? Um, I think it depends. You know, there are applications in app stores that are rated four and five stars that you probably don't know. Like what? Uh, have a lot of hybrid technology. Well, my favorite application uh, is is probably Untapped. Uh, it's basically Foursquare for beer drinkers. Uh, okay. That's written as a hybrid app and uh, is using jQuery Mobile. Um, you know, there are examples of, uh, of other apps that you might not think are written using hybrid application technology. Some of the apps that uh, support some of Microsoft's uh, uh, Xbox games are written using hybrid technology. Uh, so, uh, so they are out there. But it sounds like a compromise. You know, it sounds like, well, you can do it. There are some where you can do a five-star, but, but it sounds like, I mean, why would you even go there? Why not just do native? Is it, is it because 
you have like three different or two different environments. So I'll speak up for, for, for Jeffrey's side there in that uh, we saw an amazing demo of Google I.O. showing the Cirque du Soleil experience completely in the browser, completely HTML5. And, uh, and so, so it doesn't always have to be um, you know, a cutback experience. In the past, it always seemed like one because maybe the browsers weren't ready for the experience or the languages themselves. Uh, CSS uh, wasn't ready, HTML5 wasn't ready, there weren't the, uh, the plethora of JavaScript libraries uh, that, that are there today. Uh, with that being said, um, great apps uh, are always native apps. And so, uh, so if you, if you, if you want to guarantee your app to be great, then obviously you would write. So what are, what are you telling? What are you yeah, guys I, each telling a developer? I, I, I think if you're looking to make money off the application itself, yeah. native is probably your best bet. Mm -hmm. um, if you are looking to uh, create an extended experience where the app is part of that experience and breadth is important, then I think uh, you know a hybrid approach or a web-based approach is a reasonable compromise to make. Uh, as part of defining that overall service. Again, if we all have infinite resources, then do everything native all the time. But yeah, I've never been in any shop where, you know, that's been our luxury. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and to, to kind of wrap that point up, you know, and the last point as well, the fact that the three of us can, can argue and have very valid points as to which, which framework and which platform is the easiest or the best or which, uh, you know, which technology is the best to do it, simply means, to go back to our initial point, that it's, uh, there's no reason not to do it. Right. You know, if, if I'm going to complain that, uh, that this tiny little subtle thing about Apple makes it a little bit more difficult, or this tiny subtle thing about, uh, about Android makes it easier, they're pr all probably pretty easy. And it, it shouldn't take you more than, than a couple, three days to, to really jump in and get your feet wet uh, in doing any of the platforms. And the good news is, is, is regardless of which direction you go with your own skills development, there's opportunity for you to use those skills. I see lots of folks that are doing hybrids with PhoneGap. I see lots of people who are doing native. Uh, I see lots of folks that are working with some of the middleware platforms that are out there. Uh, so, you know, don't spend a lot of time worrying about which direction you go and whether it's going to be right. Choose the one that is most comfortable with you based on where your skills are today and then start building out uh, from that particular spot. Absolutely. So. And the, and the one last thing I would put in is is uh, mobile development isn't always about the front end. So if you if you've got a large uh, set of experience with doing back end development, uh, back ends are needed as well. Now, with that being said, if you don't have that large back end experience, a lot of new uh, uh, new technologies are coming out there as well. And so, um, look into something like back end as a service. Uh, a lot of uh, pay as you go or freemium type models for doing your back-end development. So as you write your awesome front-end and, and using a lot of technologies we've talked about, um, also look into to, to some of the, 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 the free or pay-as-you-go back-end models to kind of support that from the, from the back-end side. So let's talk about smiles again. Um, I was at a client site uh, talking to a business analyst, not even a developer, uh, who worked at a very large bank, just a business analyst at a large bank. And he told me on the side that he developed a game for iPhone and then he was bringing in an extra $6,000 per month mm -hmm. just to augment his income. You know, it was like augmenting his income. Um, our, and that was about a year ago. Now, wouldn't it be nice to have that to pay for college tuition? Uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, so the question, Jeffrey, is, is, it still po is that still possible? Is, is, you know, can, can developers do stuff on the side and still get rich? Can they get insanely rich? How? I think it's possible, but you shouldn't assume that that is the outcome. 
the reality is, is it's really a long tail. The top, you know, 100 apps make a disproportionate amount of the entire revenue uh, in the market. You know, as a, as a side business, you know, if you can get enough of these things generating revenue, you know, maybe you can make a go of it. I have talked to m multiple folks that have done that. Uh, one of the folks that, uh, that, that I, I think about is, uh, um, you know, Coca Box, the, uh, the guys that did uh, uh, Penultimate, which is now part of Evernote. And, you know, he, the, 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 the lead developer there, used to work at, at Microsoft in the Xbox division and was able to make a business for it on his own. Uh, the untapped guys, I think at some point, will be able to turn what's a side project into their own business. They just did that to make beer money, right? Yeah, exactly. And then discovered a business around <laughs> it. So I think that the way to approach it is from two perspectives. You know, use your, your own personal investment time to figure out what you're going to do, try some things, and if you get a hit, ride a hit. You know, you could be the next Instagram. You know, Facebook bought them for a billion dollars, and there's 13 people in the company. Sweet. But, you know, if that doesn't happen, at the very least, if you decide that you don't like your job and you know how to do Objective-C or you know how to uh, uh, use jQuery Mobile, you can go get a job with an agency, perhaps making a lot more or even do your own freelancing. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is here in the U.S., uh, mobile dev rates... Uh, run somewhere between $100 and $150 an hour, depending on the skills that you bring to bear. Uh, so you can make a, uh, a career of it. You can uh, you know, do very well and, and, and have a lot more flexibility even your, in your own schedule. And, Mike, what advice would you have for uh, you know, a new developer developing a mobile app for the first time? Go out and and just take a look at a lot of the, the, the free content that's available. So go out on YouTube, look to see how uh, see how Android apps are written. You know, Google uh, videotapes all of its I/O presentations and throws them out there on YouTube, so you can you can watch that, get a lot of it, lot of information, uh, get a get an understanding of of how mobile frameworks work. So whether you do it Android, iOS, Windows, a lot of things are very similar. We still use uh, you know, kind of theme and variation on model view controller paradigms now, so have an understanding of how, how your back-end data integrates through a controller to your front-end view. If, if you just get those, those base concepts down, then like I said earlier, it's all, it's all just a matter of semicolons, and so just putting the semantics around connecting those type of things. A, an understanting of uh, a light of understanding of, of, of SQL is important. Uh, both iOS and, and Android uh, use uh, SQL as its interface to its local data store, and so you know having that understanding is good. But um, but as as uh, as Jeffrey pointed out, just uh, having these skills and, and having a, a nice broad uh, set of skills here can do you no wrong. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you to learn uh, in, in either development or, or or any other aspect of your life. So so having these skills is, is gonna suit you well going forward either on your own or, or moving out into the enterprise world. Yeah, I close with uh, two thoughts. First of all, uh, one of my favorite quotes uh, is uh, is from Thomas Edison, the best way to have a good idea is to have a lot of ideas. 
So don't be afraid to to try things and see if you can, you know, discover the next Angry Birds almost by accident. Uh, the second thing that I would say is, uh, you know, I kind of subscribe to the to the Peter Lynch theory of investment here, which is, you know, look around, talk to your friends, uh, see what people are trying to do, bounce ideas off of them, uh, ask them what they'd like to be able to do with their phones. Uh, you know, you might discover that there's a, a real nugget, that there's a problem out there that needs to be solved. Uh, you know, you can use bitmaps, you can use mock-ups uh, to say, well, what if the thing looked like this? and show it to your friends and see what they think. At least get to a minimum viable product and then be prepared to iterate on it very, very quickly. Uh, you know, there's nothing that separates you from, from that success. You know, whether you're a 17-year-old like one of my son's friends that's, you know, out there getting four, 6,000 hits a day on the game that he's been building for the last two years, or whether it's, uh, you know, a dedicated team like the Instagram team or a team at Banjo that is, you know, spending, you know, every week doing focused user groups and iterating their concepts. Uh, go out there and, 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 you know, figure out what people want. Okay, Mike Facemeyer, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Jeffrey Hammond, thank you. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast. Read more about the technology fuel disruption and join the discussion at blogs.forrester.com.